0: We identified fiber to the home as something that was really important to the future of Great Lakes Energy. There's lots of synergies with the grid. It's important to future technologies, but it's also really important to our members. We want to help them have a better experience, you know, at home and in their personal lives.
1: This is episode 324 of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. Increasing numbers of rural electric cooperatives are using their infrastructure as a foundation to develop fiber-to-the-home internet access service. In the northern areas of Michigan's Lower Peninsula, Great Lakes Energy has started a project that will begin connecting members as early as October. In this week's podcast, Christopher talks with Sherry Culver from the cooperative about their service, TrueStream. Their project is starting in Petoskey and will offer symmetrical services up to a gigabit to residents. As the project progresses, the cooperative will examine demand and take a nimble approach to their deployment plans. Sherry explains the environment in the region, the history of Great Lakes Energy, and the factors the cooperative have needed to consider as they've pondered the potential of a large fiber-to-the-home project. Now here's Christopher with Sherry Culver from Michigan's Great Lakes Energy.
2: Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance in Minneapolis, Minnesota, talking with Sherry Culver, the Vice President of Communications, Marketing, and Energy Optimization at Great Lakes Energy. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate your your patience. I'm I'm struggling a little bit to get started here on a on a Monday morning, but um, looking forward to learning more about one one of the most uh, fun announcements I've seen um, for your your electric cooperative announcing that it's building fiber optic networks out to everyone. Was uh, one of your member owners said "Holy cat balls" in response, apparently, uh, <laughs> which I loved.
0: Yep, they have just been so excited, the comments we've been receiving from our members. I think you saw that on our jointruestream.com website, and um, I remember that comment from that member. He's one of our most active on there. And on there and on Facebook, I mean, members are just excited for the service, as are we, to bring it to
2: them. That's wonderful. So let's, let's give a little bit of background. Great Lakes Energy is a very large, very spread out cooperative in, in Michigan. Tell me a little bit about it and, and where your territory is.
0: Well, Great Lakes Energy, we serve 26 counties in the lower peninsula. So we're based in Boyne City, which is where our headquarters is. Um, we have eight offices throughout our service territory. We're actually the product of a merger, Um, We merged with two other electric co-ops in 1999, January 1st, 1999. Great Lakes Energy, Top of Michigan Electric, and Western Electric came together um, to form the biggest electric cooperative in the state of Michigan and were the third largest in terms of miles of line nationally. So we've got a little over 120,000 members. Um, 14,000 miles of line, 11,000 of that is overhead, and about 3,000 of that is underground. Um, So it's been about 20 years. We're we're coming up on our 20-year anniversary of the merger. Um, Very spread out. It's a very rural service area, um, just like most electric cooperatives are. And there are some gaps in our service territory just because of the merger. Um, um, We do serve approximately nine members per mile of line, and we've got about 240 full-time employees.
2: So let's get into a little bit of the, the broadband space here. What led you to to get involved with that? And if you could just walk me through the decision-making process, I'd, I'd love to hear about it.
0: Well, we entered you know, into a strategic planning process with our board and our executive team. Um, it's been about two years ago, I would say. So it's been moving pretty quickly. And, you know, during that strategic planning session, the board and the executive team, we identified fiber to the home as something that was really important to the future of Great Lakes Energy. And there's quite a few reasons for that. I mean, there's lots of synergies with the grid. It's important to future technologies. Um, But it's also really important to our members. Um, We want to help them have a better experience. You know, at home and um, in their in their personal lives, and also it's going to help spur um, economic development. People's lives are so dependent on technology, education, healthcare. You know, working from home or just your general entertainment. I mean, the gamers watching Netflix, the demand just keeps growing. We've got about thirty five thousand seasonal members, which is just a huge seasonal base for a cooperative. And so we really feel the potential for these members to now even spend more time at their seasonal homes um, is, is huge, because now they can be connected to the rest of the world. They can work from home. Um, they're here in our areas, you know, spending money using electricity. Um, so after we identified FIBER as a strategic initiative, we then performed some feasibility studies. You know, the board really wanted to do their due diligence. Um, So we did three feasibility studies. We also performed a survey of our members. We have a really obviously established base of customers because as a cooperative we've been around about 81 years and very positive satisfaction with our Great Lakes Energy members. And the results of the feasibility study and the re- results of the member survey, you know, really showed our board and our team that, that this is something we wanted to do. We had about 75% of our members supporting the service. There's about 45% of them through the results of the survey that just don't have access to broadband. Um, they're dissatisfied with the services they do have. They're, you know, they're paying too much for a really slow service. And so we felt offering this service will continue to help us build our positive relationship with our members and really be able to offer them a service that they can't get anywhere else. But the decision itself was you know it was hard. I think our board, they took a really big step in making this decision. Um, I think they can be very proud. You know we're good at what we do. We offer electricity, we we know how to do that. so this is something new, and we're investing just a lot of resources in it. And we think it's going to be great, but it's, it's, really, it's a really big step on the part of everyone at Great Lakes Energy.
2: I think there's a lot of people who are served uh, by, who are members of uh, electric co-ops in rural areas that are interested in a little bit more in the process. So let me ask you a, a couple of pretty easy questions, I think. One is, is your general manager close to retirement? Um, He is. Okay. Because that's one of the things that we're always curious about. Um, There's so many across the the country, all the rural electric cooperatives, so many of the general managers are close to retirement. We're always curious if that impacts a decision to move forward. But but, uh, in this case, uh, that wasn't um, a problem, apparently. Um, And the other thing is, you mentioned this started sort of two or three years ago. So five years ago, if I had called you up out of the blue and said, hey, do you think you're ever going to be doing broadband? Do you think you would have said no at that time?
0: Um, I think so. I mean, we've explored broadband over power lines years ago. Um, we also offered dial up service, which I think sounds kind of funny now to say that. But, you know, like some of the other co ops in the nation, we partnered um, with Trans World Network and offered long distance phone service and different types of internet service, primarily dial up to our members. Mm-hmm. It was pretty popular at the time.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> but,
0: you know, but to to undertake you know five years ago to undertake a big fiber project like this, no, I probably would have said you were you were crazy. But
2: and so how did this this come about? Was there were there members that that petitioned or, or made noise, or was the board just looking around and thinking, you know, this is something the area needs? Because um, I've seen both. Um, grassroots movements that were started outside of the of the cooperative structure, and then I've also seen cooperative boards that were just very proactive.
0: Um, I think some was with our board. You know, we were in the state with Midwest Energy Cooperative, MEC, and you know they undertook a project like this, I believe, five or six years ago.
2: Yes, we interviewed them uh, a year or two ago, I believe, to talk about that project.
0: Right. So we've been keeping an eye on Midwest Energy and what they're doing. And, you know, they've had a lot of great successes with, with their program. And keeping an eye on that, you know, the board has been hearing about their project as well as national um, at national meetings they would attend. You know, they hear about other co-ops who are entering in into the fiber space and and really having a lot of great success with it. So... They were learning about that, and then our team, you know, from an engineering standpoint, is looking at what we can do, what fiber will provide to us, you know, for future efforts, you know, with engineering and communication um, capabilities, and be able, to, you know, to provide better reliability to our members.
2: How are you deciding where to deploy the service and when?
0: well we are starting with our petoskey service district and so we looked at petoskey um, for this first phase which is really a pilot project petoskey is in the northernmost part of our service district and we chose it because of a couple of reasons there's quite a bit of diversity there in terms of geography Um, there's you know lakes and swamps and hilly terrain um and there's also diversity in terms of the type of member living there. There's a very rural member, but then there's also, you know, some very wealthy members, both full-time residents and seasonal residents. Um, we serve, you know, along the lakeshore of western Michigan. It's very scenic. It's a resort area, ski resorts, golf resorts, you know, large homes on on some beautiful lakes if you haven't visited I would encourage you to. It's, it's wonderful. Um, so, a really diverse type of membership there. There's also a lot of competition, really, in the Petoskey Service District. Um, there's quite a few members who have cable, so they have access to cable, which is not as fast as fiber to the home, but it is significantly faster than, than dial up or or other services Um, there are actually quite a few members who have nothing they have access you know to dial up only and they just they just don't have any internet service at their home so we started in Petoskey um, and you know we're gonna be looking at the success of that area and that'll help us to decide you know if we move into another area or what we do next after we're done done building there
2: it sounds like you you'll face a little bit of everything in that area then
0: Yes, we will be facing a little bit of everything there, Um, especially in a couple months we'll be facing lots of cold
2: weather right (laughs) well familiar with that here in Minnesota and you'd mentioned the the seasonal um, the number of seasonal accounts you have and uh, about one out of three it sounds like and I just at that point I wanted to throw in and um, I figured I, I would now but I remember a study from northern Wisconsin that if they could do things that would have people spend an extra week on average at their seasonal properties that the impacts on local economies would just be staggering and beneficial so Um, this is the sort of thing that I'm sure is a a part of your calculus.
0: It really is. One of my favorite comments from some of the surveys that we performed um, was from a member that said, you know, having high speed internet is like running water. You know, I can't sell my home because I don't have, you know, high speed internet available here. And we really, really need this. And so if we have that service available for our members who live here, but then for that seasonal base, they can come here, they can spend time, they can work from home, maybe they can you know, move here permanently and convert that seasonal home to a full-time residence, which really has a positive impact on the local economy.
2: And will you be planning to serve businesses as well, or are you focused on residents?
0: We are looking to serve businesses. Um, that's something that we're going to be looking at in 2019. We don't currently have any service offerings for businesses at this time, but we know it's important um, and there are businesses, either current businesses who will want the service or we're hoping there will be new businesses that will come to the area and move into our service territory because they will now have that high-speed internet and really be able to compete in the global economy
2: and is your vision then ultimately that you'll be serving everyone um it sounds like you're not quite sure um how soon that'll happen you're you're just starting the the pilot project this year and so um but i'm i'm always interested in how cooperatives view this particularly as you may have an average of, of i think you said 9 people per mile but um i'm guessing that in some areas it's a whole lot lower
0: <laughs> it is i mean that's the average so Um, really it all hinges on the success of this initial phase in Petoskey. So can we be successful in the Petoskey service district? And we really think we can, but we are going to be watching that very closely. We're hoping to hook up um, members as soon as the end of October. Um, We're going to hook up a small group of, of members to start testing the service for us. And then we'll be watching... Um, those installations and, you know, learning from, from the members. And as we start installing in, in more areas into more homes, really watching the project and, and looking at the demand. I mean, so far demand has been overwhelming for it. Interest from the Petoskey Service District as well as all our other service districts. We have over 6,300 members who've already signed up um, their interest in the service. So we think that's a great number. Um, and, you know, about 3,000 in the Petoskey Service District who say they want the service when it comes to them. So ultimately, yes, we would like to connect everyone. Um, it could take about 10 years to do that. It's going to take a while. So we're going to have to, in the meantime, manage those expectations of our members. I mean, people want it and they want it now it's hard. It's hard to build out that fast. It takes a lot of time and a lot of resources. So we're starting with Petoskey. We feel we're in a really good position to build out to the rest of the area, um, but it's going to take some time.
2: When I look at your service offerings on your website, I can see why people are pretty excited. A uh, hundred megabits symmetrical for $60 a month, 200 for $70 a month, and then a gig for $100 a month. Um, to give people a sense that i 'm sure everyone has their doing their own calculations, I know that I pay Comcast somewhere between eighty and a hundred and five dollars a month, depending on which promo deal or whether i 'm off a deal or whatever and i'm getting um, i'm getting three hundred down but I'm only getting 10 up and it's that upstream that j- drives me nuts. It really limits my ability. So um, I certainly have a sense that moving to uh, Michigan, um, having much more scenic house than I have in St. Paul, perhaps, um, paying <laughs> less for higher quality internet would be pretty nice.
0: Yeah. And one of the challenges for us is that at education of members, um, they don't really understand the speed that they have upstream, downstream, what that means, why fiber is different, why fiber to the home is different. I mean, you've got competitors out there. Everybody's claiming they have fiber. Well, they have a fiber backbone, Mm -hmm. but true fiber to the home, it's really not available in our service area. So, we're finding we really have to educate people on what this means, why it's different, and and why it's
2: better. And is there, uh, so I mentioned the, the speeds and the prices, is there any kind of install cost?
0: Right now there's no installation cost. Um, no contracts, no data caps, um, no installation fees. So we're starting with building our core and connecting all of our substations. And members within about 1,500 feet of that core backbone in the Petoskey Service District will be eligible for service first. They all have overhead, and then we'll be moving to those members in the spring of 2019 to those people who have underground service. We do believe the fiber is probably going to follow the path of the electric conductor, but there is a chance, you know, maybe if you have underground to your home that we could run the fiber overhead. So we're making some of those decisions as we go.
2: One of the things that sometimes people ask me that are more technical is, are you using fiber that allows you to put it up in the electric space as uh, the electric utility can, or are you running it down in the communications space?
0: We are using um, ADSS, which Mm -hmm. is installed within the electric space, versus Strand and Lash, which is installed lower.
2: Right, and that's nice because then you don't really have to do any make ready. You don't have to worry about space on the pole.
0: Right. You don't have to do as much make ready. Um, it goes up a lot quicker. So we've got about 60%, a little over 60% of our core already built.
2: Wow. And then the last question I think people may have is, especially getting a sense that this is such a good deal, is um, you know, how are you, are you financing this? Have you received any, any subsidies from the federal government? Or um, how, does this, how does this possibly work to have such good connectivity in, in uh, Western Michigan?
0: We are using um, a smart grid loan to finance it through RUS. Um, In the future, you know, we do hope to use a combination of loans and grants. Um, We will be applying for federal money, you know, when the rules come out. Um, We were also part of the Rural Electric Cooperative Consortium, and they were successful in securing funding through the Connect America Funds auction. Mm-hmm. So we're still in a quiet period right now with that, um, but you know we were very happy with the end result.
2: Oh, great. I was going to ask you about that. So the the CAF2 auctions, there was a, a consortium, and um, I don't know how many people were involved with it, but um, certainly a lot of money, and we did it. We did an interview with John Chambers, who was pretty happy with the amount that went to um, the electric cooperatives in general. So um, I'm glad to hear that you were a part of that.
0: Yes, it was um, great to be a part of that, um, Jonathan Chambers, he knows what he's doing. He did a great job. It was good to work with
2: him. It's exciting. I have to say, I mean, I'm sure that you all are very excited, but, um, you know, I, for a few years, we've been thinking that that rural electric cooperatives could really make a huge difference in making sure that all Americans have high quality internet access. And it's great to talk to you and, and get a better sense of how you're doing it.
0: Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I mean, we're excited too. Um, it's been a lot of work for our staff. It's a lot of a lot of new things we're learning as we go, and um, it's really moving quickly. But it's it's been really exciting from my end, from communications and marketing. We're getting to do a lot of fun stuff that we don't necessarily get to get to do with communicating about electricity. Um, we're going to events, we're hosting members, really out there in the community, getting the word out, and it's been
2: exciting. Yes, that's terrific. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, you're welcome. That was
1: Christopher with Sherry Culver from Great Lakes Energy in Michigan. Read about the project at jointruestream.com or at muninetworks.org at the Great Lakes Energy Tag. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at community nets. Follow MuniNetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at MuniNetworks. Subscribe to this podcast and the other podcasts from ILSR, Building Local Power, and the Local Energy Rules podcast. You can access them wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss out on our original research. Subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. And while you're there, take a moment to donate. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle license to Creative Commons and thanks for listening to episode 324 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast.